welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, the podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra, ready to recap a Chicago Red Stars semi-final victory. A la final. Finally, guys, Chicago Red Stars beat Portland Thorns FC 1-0 in front of 9,218 people in Bridgeview, Illinois. And thanks to a good old-fashioned Sanford goal served up by Yuki Nagasato, there's a lot to unpack here, and uh, I couldn't do it alone. No one could any, do anything alone, so I'm here tonight with my friend, homie, colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. Scam Originated. How you doing tonight, Claire? Oh, I'm good. I told you mere minutes ago, I'm just happy to be here. I'm doing great. I, uh, I, I really do love everyone in this bar, man. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I am crying in the club right now. <laughs> yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a vibe indeed. Uh, we got to talk about, we got to talk about the sights, man. We got to talk about the sounds, the scenes. Uh, we got to set it up for y'all. Uh, if you weren't there, man, what a time. Uh, but, you know, if you were there, what a time. Either way, we're going to walk you through it and help you out and uh, both relive it and put it to bed because uh, there's still work to be done. But, yeah, as I said, uh, Chicago Red Stars had a semifinal game on Sunday, October 20th, and uh, there was a lot of great buildup to this stuff. If you listened to the podcast uh, last week where we previewed this episode, we said a lot of things and we had a lot of feelings about this, uh, uh, the potential outcome of this match. And uh, the vibes, I think, last week were good going into this match. And uh, there was reason to, you know, let's just say there was reason to believe, right, that the Red Stars had the tools and the right opportunities there in front of them to be able to come out of this semifinal with a win, you know, despite all of these uh, narratives that we had decided to kind of go over um, in that preview episode, uh, well, talking about right. all kinds of stuff like Sam Kerr and the fact that it's the thorns and no wins, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, like, I, I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking about this as, as we were kind of prepping the episode and, um, you know, you, you and I, uh, we're not, <laughs> you know, not to quote anything. We're not superstitious people, but we are a little stitious <laughs> and, uh, we, uh, we didn't we we were always saying what we said what we told everybody was we're only going we're only going to the championship if chicago's in it and we meant that um yep but uh you and i did have a conversation with with some help from from some friends of uh getting plane tickets just to plan a little bit before the semifinal was played and uh we were reluctant to do it, but we did do it. And then I think, I think it was after we just finally pulled the trigger and got plane tickets just in case. I think I just said, no, it's going to be fine. Cause they're going to win. And I think that was the first time you and I had said to each other, like, it's going to be fine. Cause they're going to win. Yeah. It felt, uh, it was, <laughs> we've talked a lot this season, right? We've, we've used the word confidence, right. Yeah. With this team. And uh, you and I all of a sudden found a little bit of that confidence. Yeah. And uh, I would yeah. agree with you. It was a moment that we were like, yeah, we, we need to just do this because it doesn't doesn't matter who they play. Right. They're going to win. They're going to win. Um, and then uh, <laughs> also uh, famously, 
at the local 134 pre-party the night before, not only were we sure that they were going to win, but we were also like, they're going to score in the first 15 minutes. It was going to happen. Yeah. That's how they could, because that's if they were going to win, that's how we're going to win. Exactly. That's how you, (laughs) that's how it manifests. That's how it's going to happen. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, from, from the recording of that last episode, you know, to everything leading up into, into that semifinal match, you know, all of the, all of the great content and stuff that was, was out there surrounding these two teams and not to, to brag, but specifically from you and I, I think we did a really good job covering this uh, semifinal, the, and the days leading up to it. And then, uh, both on game day. And, uh, I think that within all that good content, it sort of helped bring all the, uh, the good vibes, uh, to game day. Uh, Cause then we also talked about all the events and stuff. And as you mentioned, like with the, the pregame stuff. So it was, it was a lot of good stuff and it was a really good, ex- like cool experience. Like we're, we're just kind of just uh, setting up the, like I said, the, the sights and the sounds and the scenes before we kind of jump into the actual, um, you know, juicy bits of the, of the game here. But I think it's important for us to talk about that just because of all that history um, and all of the time and years, like really leading up uh, to this moment for the rest stars to get an opportunity to host that home semifinal and I think what we saw on Sunday really was a testament to all of the stuff that you constantly hear about teams speaking to the importance of getting a home semifinal and what that can do for your team. Uh, because yeah. leading into this game day, you and I, I remember you and I arriving to the stadium and it really was just like buzzing already. And we probably got there about an hour and a half before kickoff. And yeah. people were like lining up at gates that weren't even open yet, <laughs> you know, and people were having a good time um, in their respective tailgating areas. Um, you had, you know, all kinds of different gear out there being wrapped. There was, uh, you know, a nice contingency of Portland Thorn support as there typically is. Portland folks travel well and we appreciate that. Um, so it was cool to sort of see all that. I mean, we're talking... Uh, there was a safe smoke, right? Quote unquote. That's yes. not something. Very that's not safe. something. They're extremely safe. Goggles and gloves. Yes. Spelled it with an X. That's yes. how extremely safe it was. And, um, you know, that's stuff that Bridgeview, Illinois, SeatGeek <laughs> Stadium doesn't see on a regular basis. And for this semifinal, um, the appropriate procedures were followed and they were able to get a safe measured like smoke and there were you know people that were relegated to like do that and like it was really dope to see and like it it was just all of this stuff that added to the atmosphere there were a ton of uh, one of the, the promotion that happened that day at the gate was a bunch of thunder sticks right that were yeah. passed out um and people were not afraid to use them and uh it really really brought um it really set the scene for match day. And I know there's, when we look back on this season, there's going to be this one huge um, game that wasn't the semifinal. It was that welcome home game, you know, where it was like a you know, sellout, you know, the, the entire bowl and stuff like that was, was sold. And um, it was over 17,000. And that's something that people are going to talk about for a really long time. But the fact that this was a playoff game, and what it meant to these players and obviously what it meant to the people in the stands, the significance of this game versus that game that maybe had, you know, double the attendance. It was just, for me, 
was pretty different. The energy that was coming out of this game was unreal. And Claire, like, I don't know if you want to like, you know, to close us out on the scenes um, to maybe sort of speak to a little bit on your recap, which was fantastic, by the way. If you haven't read Claire's recap yet of this match, you absolutely need to go check it out. It's on Hot Time in Old Town. Thanks. Um, I, but you yeah. really, you really nailed it within that recap. Um, the recap has many run-on sentences. But that's only because I wrote it in a blur the morning after. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I I had this, I haven't, I guess I haven't said this in any official context before. I think I tweeted about it. Um, one of the things that we've seen in the second half of the season, not only in Chicago, but, but elsewhere, um, I keep going back to... Um, the Rose Lavelle goal that put the spirit up against the courage. And I think the spirit second to last uh, game, their last home game. Um, and you can see from, from that stream when that goal goes in, the place explodes, like the camera shakes. Um, and, you know, this is a thing that we, we've seen in Chicago, too, which is just, yes, it's great that attendances are up. You know, that's very important for a number of reasons. But um, it's you're no longer seeing a passive audience or an audience that's there just to enjoy a day out. You know, you're, it's um, supporters culture is really taking hold. Um the demographics are shifting a little bit. I think Chicago did a really good job of going out and finding young adults this year. Um, and so I think it was significant. It felt significant to me that not only were there so many people there, um, but also just that they were all there to help Chicago win. And that is a little bit different than like the let's all shake hands and build a brighter future for the little girls kind of culture that we've seen in women's soccer for a long time. This was like, no, this is a serious game and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that the home team wins. And that, and, and I mean, we'll talk about this. Um, I don't, I don't want to like overstate it because I do think that to a certain extent, there's only so much a crowd can do. But the game that we saw is probably the game where a crowd matters the most, which is where Chicago had to hold on for a very long time. Um, and that is where that extra piece of momentum can go a long way. Yeah, it was absolutely uh, ridiculous to witness. Um, starting lineups were announced. We're going to get into those right now. Smoke was set off. TIFO was uh, unrolled out. And uh, going to hit hit y'all with a quick shout-out right now uh, to supporters group Chicago Local 131, who really, really, truly put forth a tremendous effort to uh, make sure that this environment um, was rocking throughout the game. So for the starting, uh, the starting lineup for the Chicago Red Stars, they rolled out as, uh, they rolled out as follows. They had a listener net. Uh, Casey Short, Turner Davidson, Julie Ertz, uh, Sarah Gordon rounding out the back line. Uh, Danny Colaprico, Morgan Bryan, Vanessa Di Bernardo, Yuki Nagasato, Savannah McCaskill, and Sam Kerr 
rounding out the starting 11 for this uh, semifinal home game. And, um, you know, I I got to say, like, for first impressions of this starting lineup, uh, when, when we got it, when it was announced and rolled out, um, I think my initial reaction in my head, I was just like, they're going to win. <laughs> they're going to win. I really, I really felt that when I saw that lineup. But uh, you're not supposed to tweet that kind of stuff or say that kind of stuff. Um, so I think I, my initial reaction was something along the lines of, um, you know, they are who you thought they were. And uh, they were. Uh, it was good to see this lineup roll out again for like a consecutive time um, in this semifinal. I think it was important that this particular group of players were the players to get this game going. What were some of your impressions when you saw this uh, starting lineup? I mean, yeah, it's exactly, certainly when we got the injury report, it's pretty much exactly what we thought we were going to see. Um, you know, as far as we know, I, I think we can all assume that Aaron Wright has been uh, shut down for the season. Um, and uh, yeah, so other, yeah, I mean, I think, Again, the only theoretical question was maybe that third striker position, but you know, from what we saw in U- when they played against Utah, it seemed pretty clear that McCaskill was probably the first choice there. Um, but no, I mean the, the 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 Chicago lineup has been settled for some time, um, whereas Portland's um, has been very unsettled. So I think. Um, Right. It it definitely felt like one team has had things that have been working and one team had, had not. Word. Now to respect to uh, the opposition on this day, we're going to roll out with this uh, Portland Thorns uh, lineup because I think, again, as you mentioned, this lineup more than anything kind of had people um, reacting a bit more versus the lineup that Chicago put, put out that day. Right. And they saw um, it. Uh, A.D. French in net for them. They had Emily Menges, Emily Sonnet, uh, Catherine Reynolds, uh, Megan Klingenberg running out the back line there. Lindsay Horan, uh, Danny Bridges' daughter, Elizabeth Ball. Um, we had Andresenia finally be freed, and she was out on the pitch. She had Tobin Heath and Christine Sinclair running out the 11 for them. And it was the starting lineup that we – I don't know if we were expecting that type of starting lineup for – for the thorns, but looking at the substitutions, I know you and I were both on a similar page. We're just like, that is a lot of speed on that bench to start this game. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty similar to the lineup that they had put out against Washington, um, the week before. Um, and as we talked, I mean, we talked about it last time they had been, been really struggling to score. So it felt like they were trying to do something a little bit different, probably possess a little bit more in the midfield and then set up someone like Christine Sinclair or Tobin Heath to, to get a, you know, a well-placed opportunity. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it, it was it a little bit surprising to see that many players uh, on the bench and not even one of them in the starting lineup? Yeah, for sure. But obviously um, you had to think maybe that Portland knew that Chicago was going to be buzzing they were going to try to possess and control and then win the game in the second half, which I do think we kind of saw. Um, but, uh, yeah, but it also was just like it. You can just tell that this is it was not a lineup from Portland. If everything had been great for Portland all year, that was not the lineup that they were going to have. 
No word. Um, it's, uh, I think it was something, if <laughs> something was amiss <laughs> with the, with the lineup, but this is Chicago Red Stars podcast. We only talk about Chicago Red Stars. Yeah. We'll leave that to somebody else. <laughs> we'll leave that to somebody else who wants to, uh, you know, dive into that, <laughs> the thorns and, and their, and their day on Sunday, but the Red Stars, um, they jumped in right away. Again, we set the, the scenes for you there. It was live. It was hopping. And you could just see the team immediately from the jump uh, at that first whistle. They were locked in and ready to go. Sam Kerr hit you all with the money shot and a smile. And uh, she says, Lego. And the first, we'll just go up to the eighth minute. The first eight minutes of this match was absolutely uh, in Chicago's bag. They were setting the tone immediately with their connecting, their very quick uh, sort of one-touch uh, possession, uh, finding each other. You, it was really dope to just see a team that just looked like they didn't really have to worry about where the other person was going to be. They were incredibly locked in. At least this first eight minutes of this match was kind of ridiculous to witness. You had these attempts and misses from you know Nagasato, Di Bernardo, Sam Kerr, and you just were like, man, any minute now, <laughs> any minute now, one of these will hopefully find the back of the net. And I don't think people were expecting this opening goal to happen or be facilitated by one Miss Sarah Gordon. But it was. And Thorns went ahead and found themselves finally, after the first several minutes, uh, trying to get into Chicago's uh, final third there. And uh, Sarah Gordon said, not today. And immediately got on this ball, quickly found Yuki Nagasato there in the circle. And Sam Kerr was immediately calling for this ball. And you didn't have to tell somebody like Nagasato more than once. Uh, they sort of obviously have this uh, kind of meta connection between them. She chips a bit of a pass forward, Sam Kerr, and it falls beautifully in probably the most perfect spot. And Sam Kerr gets on the end of this ball and is gone. And God bless Emily Sonnet, who uh, keeps up with her. But it wasn't enough on this day. And Sam Kerr slots this ball home into the far post. Um, right past uh, an outstretched leg of she Lady was, France. She was falling down, too. That's what I didn't realize until I rewatched the game, that she – okay, two, th- two things about that. Um, Sam Kerr – there was that area, that area right in front of that um, that, that south goal. There, People slipped actually quite a, quite a bit um, in uh, – at the beginning of the game and, and Kerr was, was slipping when she hit that shot. Um, she also, the other thing I noticed from watching the stream is that she had a terrible time with her hair tie, <laughs> uh, during the entire was game. Definitely making she, her had adjustments. To, she had to fix it. Like all, yeah. Like that, the, the shock of that shot knocked her hair right out of her hair tie. Um, but yeah, I mean that pass, that pass from from Yuki was one of the best hit balls of the entire year. Um, Emily Menges was the one. Well, it was a moment of transition, and so Sarah Gordon should get a ton of credit for springing the counter um, because it, it found Portland out of out of you know defensive p- 
position. Um, but Menges was the one that was supposed to be on Kerr. And I have to be honest, throughout much of the game, Portland did a very good job of, of ball winning in that um, there were a lot of kind of those searching passes to hit Kerr that Portland did a good job of intercepting. Um, but Yuki hit it just over Menges's like outstretched foot. Like she just nailed it. And it had the perfect, I think Rory called it a textured ball. It was textured, um, which was true. And you could tell the moment it hit the ground. Um, and then, yeah, Kerr had, had had a shot like two minutes prior. She did the same thing. This one went in. Um, and, yeah, Sonnet was making the recovery run, but she wasn't She wasn't quite there in time. But, I mean, yeah, it, no, was, uh, it was destiny, right? It was quite the goal. I think uh... – what came out of that opening goal was uh, madness, right? Uh, just sort of seeing the locked in, just like pure elation coming out of Sam Kerr, just the joy that was uh, ended up surrounding her, you know, as Morgan Bryant just like bombarded her. It's the first person to, to rush on and get her, get her that, that celebratory hug and, you know, Sarah Gordon following up with the uh, infamous Mob Leap Selly. She's been on top of those this year, and uh, she definitely hit it on the semifinal. And uh, it just felt like, it felt like, I'm not saying this is, we're going to talk about this, it felt like the Red Stars got that early goal and things were going to open up um, for them. But it, things didn't. And the Red Stars sort of fell into, they kind of fell back a little bit eventually in this match, in this first half specifically. Um, we started to see the Portland Thorns um, kind of be given. It looked like they were being given more possession than they were maybe within the first 15 minutes um, of the match. And the Red Stars went from looking like this incredibly lethal team that was eventually going to be up by two goals at least, maybe even a third. Um, and then it didn't happen. And the Thorns started to find themselves with their own opportunities. And Tobin Heath, in particular, was trying to do a lot of work for this Thorns team. And we got to see Tobin Heath in a little bit of an unfamiliar territory. We don't normally see Tobin Heath at a center forward position. Well, right. There was that and, moment. Uh, we where, saw her a bit. Yeah, there was that moment where I think, I forget who it was who sent across it. It might have been Elizabeth Ball or, or somebody. But Tobin was trying to hit it with her head like a target nine hit the ball in the air and I like had the thought I was like I don't think I've ever seen Tobin Heath do that ever um yeah I mean this was the th again we're not a Portland Thorns podcast but they didn't really have any natural center forwards up there obviously Sinclair has a history of that but she's been playing in the 10 for them for a long time and so like having Andresina in their midfield pushed her further up and but, like, do credit to them because they connected a lot more passes than the Red Stars did, ultimately, and they held a lot more possession, and um, they made the Red Stars run a lot more than – like, it, they made the Red Stars run more than you would think the team that was winning would be running, but um, they didn't have that final piece in front of goal. They um, – in, in a way, it seemed to me like there was that game, the game, the 4-4 game at the beginning of the season – um, Portland had four shots on goal, four goals. And, um, 
or three shots on goal plus a penalty, but like all of their shots on goals were their goals. And it seemed like that was the game plan here, which was we're going to set up, we're going to set up a shot that it's going to be the perfect shot and it's going to go in and we're going to equalize, um, which has been a recipe of success for them. Um, but then they just never teed up the shot. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it was weird. I think, I think there was a game earlier this season with the rest stars. Like, I believe it might've been that match against Houston dash, uh, that last one in Bridgeview where I said something along the lines of like the, you know, the red stars are both, uh, outplaying Houston in every way, shape or form. And also equally keeping them very much in the game at the same time. And, uh, I think there was a certain point within that first half where, there was a potential for it to really start feeling that way. But because Portland was, well, just for lack of better words, struggling a bit in terms of their finishing, it never really, for me, never really felt like it was kind of going to get to hit to that point. Um, Because as we started to approach um, halftime, even with like Tobin, he's trying to do the work that she was doing. We saw her get incredibly frustrated, um, you know, with trying to, just really penetrate this this back line that just really wasn't letting anything anything by on this day, whether it was uh, Casey Short or Sarah Gordon. I mean, we saw multiple people on this day go up against Tobin Heath. I mean, I think everybody had a shot with her when we won. Um, so just a lot of frustration there. And then Sarah Gordon, again, having this fantastic game on this day she was doing stuff she was doing some things on this pitch in the first half that looked like something that we hadn't seen come out of Sarah Gordon before and she has she's played this season she's been playing different roles she's found herself in the center back position she got pushed out to the outside back position whether it was left back or right back and uh she's found herself sort of being this kind of versatile backline player. So to, to see her put together this performance in the first half, I thought was something incredibly special, um, considering her journey to that moment in time. Um, I believe I had said at one point in live tweeting about it and reacting to it that, you know, Sarah Gordon's been in this league since 2016, and it took all these years for her to literally uh, have this starting role, like, you are not going to take this position from her once she broke through in the starting 11. And to see what she was doing in the semifinal, a hometown kid in front of the hometown crowd in a home semifinal was incredibly dope. And the fact that in the 39th minute, she hits the post, looks like it was like almost a bit of a, a shot cross, right? Uh, almost chipping Amy French, forcing her to make a move on this ball and it goes off of the woodwork there. Um, I think had that gone in, we would have heard something ridiculous out of the crowd. It was a, it was a pretty dope moment, um, before heading into halftime. Um, Andre had a block shot, um, but that was really all she wrote for this, for this first half. And I think heading into halftime, um, I wasn't really expecting to see any major adjustments to start the half. For the Red Stars, what did you think was maybe going to come? Did you think the Red Stars were going to like have any adjustments coming in? Did you think they were going to like 
keep going forth with what they were doing? Like, was it pretty predictable that it was going to be Portland who was going to be making that first sub? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think just Chicago, you know, the, the subs that they make are, are usually pretty late in the game. They don't usually make a ton of halftime subs unless it was an injury issue. And, and like we said, you know, they didn't really have anybody questionable on the injury report. So I wasn't anticipating anything. Um, Jared Davidson did have, she had the, she had the tape on her, on her hamstring, but, uh, she seems to be, you know, fine. That's just keeping her loose. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, that's the thing where um, it seemed clear that Portland needed to shake some stuff up. Um, they have, you know, they had a bench that could do that. Um, and then it was just a matter of waiting, just kind of waiting to see what changed for them and then seeing how Chicago's players that were probably the whole thing out um, adjusted to that. I thought that um, for the midfield, getting as much running in as we saw them do, I thought maybe for a second, I not at halftime, not at all at halftime, but I thought maybe for a second, obviously, you plan your subs. So I thought maybe we would see that planned midfield sum just because of the running that we saw this midfield doing. They were doing a lot of running. Yeah. I was, I, mean, I was thought, I thought we might see something at the 60th minute or something. Yeah. And it never, and it never came, which right. I think maybe for a quick second, you and I maybe speak a little bit on that. I thought, man, Danny Colaprico, man, and Morgan Bryan doing what they were doing in the midfield this game. Yeah. Lights out, dude. Yeah, I mean, I thought it, they were just ridiculous. The, the, they're a whole. I mean, Chicago is a completely different team when Colaprico's healthy. Like it's night and day, um, and it's never in ways that you would like circle her and say this was the flashiest player on the field. But just there's a there's a steadiness to what they do um, when she is is able to to move as well as she was on Sunday, and then Morgan Bryan. She really was kind of everywhere. She was, she, I would think, I would have to take a look at her heat map, but I would think out of everybody, she really put some miles in. Um, and yeah, I mean, but this comes down to, you know, Chicago's thing, which is, yes, you know, subs are very important, but um, at this moment, you know, the they don't necessarily have that one impact player that they're saving for late in the game um you know katie johnson usually comes in for savannah mccaskill uh you know but you you don't have you don't have like what what portland had portland brought on Haley rasso caitlin ford and midge purse and you're like that's a crazy amount of attacking talent that they can just pull off of their bench um and you know, Chicago's starting 11 is so good, but they really are kind of the ones that sometimes have to kind of gut it out. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was kind of dope to see the Red Stars on this day sort of playing the type of soccer that they were playing while also absolutely needing to just sort of lock in and grind out and hang on to a win. It was very, very fascinating to have all these different facets of their games, their different styles that we've always sort of seen, like seen them play throughout prior seasons or in particular, just specifically this season. 
Um, especially when when Portland did make that halftime sub for Russell, I really felt like when they brought her on, she started to cause some fits for the back line a little bit. You know, we saw some really kind of good 1v1 battles there between her and Casey Short. Um, definitely had to keep up with her, you know, so to speak. And even though the rest of our sort of came out and you had Sam Kerr with like another attempt on goal, you know, it was really within those, within those maybe first 20 minutes, right. Of that second half where Portland were, were pressing to try to really make this a game, you know, whether it was Topin Heath getting a shot, you know, blocked shot from Sinclair, Haran again with Rasso, Klingenberg getting into the mix, all leading up until the 58th minute where Nagasato gets on this ball and doesn't hesitate again and launches this ball forward to find Sam Kerr again <laughs> in open space. And Sam Kerr had some options on this, on this sequence here. And she had beat her defender maybe about a step, step and a half, right? And A.D. French came out to, to challenge a bit. And so maybe in that moment, she felt like she didn't have the best angle for a shot. But her vision was there for her to find Savannah McCaskill. And uh, she ends up sending this ball across through the box and it uh, gets to Sam McCaskill, who it almost goes by her like a little bit, uh, but she was able to get the turn on it and get a foot on it. But unfortunately, the shot went wide and uh, it was a really good opportunity um, for the rest of us to possibly go up to in a really good point in this semifinal. But again, kept the match with that straight up, it was a straight up miss. Like, so with that, it was just like, it kept the match level. And so you still had this vibe of where like anything could happen because at the end of the day, a struggling tempo team or not, the Portland Thorns were still the Portland Thorns. And you just kind of felt like maybe at any moment they could have pulled that one goal just because of the opportunities that Chicago was, uh, you know, found themselves sort of uh, leaving on the table. Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt like um, it felt like if Chicago could have could have gotten one more, it really would have wrapped things up. Um, just you know, psychologically. Um, but I think it's yeah. I think it's safe to say that they really started to maybe get into into that mind frame uh, with that uh, Katie Naughton sub. Chicago's uh, right. subs in the match didn't happen until after the 75th minute. So the 76th minute, uh, all of a sudden, um, while the wrestlers did have their bench warming up, those subs didn't happen until the 76th minute. And it was only, only one sub that was made. And that was for one Kathleen Elizabeth Naughton on this day. And a very funny thing happened for Katie Naughton. Someone who has been playing center back for the Chicago Red Stars since she's been drafted in 2016. And on this day, for the home semifinal in front of the home, home crowd, this hometown kid got a bit of a different position and a different look in a match like this. And Claire, I know on your rewatch, you found an excellent, excellent moment here with Katie Nodden and she was subbed into the game. Well, they, right. They, uh, I mean, they zoom in on her running onto the field and she's desperately trying to tell her teammates what's happening. And what I believe she says is, she says, Vanessa, you're the seven. I'm the 10. <laughs> I'm, I'm the 10. I'm the 10. And then she puts her hands up to show the number 10. She says, I'm the 10. No, 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 you're the six. I'm the 10. 
And uh, it was very, it was funny in that, um, I mean, she had already confirmed to us post-game that that's where she went in, but um, it was such a surprising move that it really, it took multiple, just she had to repeat herself for her teammates to understand what exactly was happening, um, which I thought was very funny. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a really dope moment. I think because in seeing you're seeing somebody like Katie Naughton getting ready to get something with this match, and you're thinking, well, for me, obviously, I was thinking a few, a few things. One of them was not she's going into the ten. If anything, my initial thought in seeing Katie Naughton's number go up, I was like, oh wow, like they're really going into this. Fairly early. I thought the 76 minute was still fairly early to be like, okay, one goal is enough type of thing to let's just close that out. And then she, when she came on as the 10, it was like, what's happening here? This is not what we thought it was going to be. It definitely just sort of uh, kind of wrecked any type of um, perceptions that we thought the Red Stars were going to look like. Eventually, yes, we saw Katie Naughton get in a role that sort of helped close this thing out as far as like dropping back lower and being able to play on defense and uh, uh, provide even a, you know, an even bigger wall <laughs> for against the thorns there. But initially it was kind of like, hold the phone here. And uh, I think in the end, even though it was just one sub that the red stars used, I think it ended up being a really crucial sub for them. Cause then it was for Savannah McCaskill who, uh, who ended up kind of like I'm, I'm I'm trying to not laugh because her uh, her skill at being able to kill the clock when she trots off for the sub I thought was uh, pretty brilliant uh, even even with the ref uh, the referee guiding her off uh, it was some world class clock killing jotting off of the pitch type of moment it was a uh, really really good stuff but. Something else was happening also when Katie Naughton was getting subbed into this game. Um, that on, on the rewatch, I'm glad it kind of like didn't come through because it, it was very specific to the moment that was happening there. Like if you if you were there kind of thing. Um, but you did start to hear uh, that very specific chant that ended up growing louder and louder in the game. Um, it was a very centralized chant and... On the rewatch, you don't necessarily hear You hear like a number of different chants going on. There's a lot of different so sights and sounds. And the promotional video that the Red Stars had put out, um, referring to the Chicago Let's Go, um, started to really pick up within the stadium. And it was really dope to just hear that kind of grow and grow and grow and get louder. Even as we entered what was about the final eight or nine minutes of this match here with Portland really just finally entering desperation mode and really just trying to push for any type of chance or opportunity on goal, whether it was from uh, Mitch purse, who was also a substitution for Portland or just honestly a straight up miss from Lindsay Horan, which was um, quite the miss because she is not a player who misses from the distance that she took it from. And uh, especially in a moment in which it was where she and Vanessa DiBernardo were a bit of uh, the, the 1v1 matchup there. And again, it was in that, it was in that South 
goal where you had mentioned earlier about the kind of the slippage that was happening there. And um, right. that happened that happened to Vanessa DiBernardo, which kind of gave a bit more space for, for Lindsay Horan. But this this ball just ended up sort of uh, drifting and floating um, wide. And it might have it almost felt like that was going to be if that was going to be the moment, the moment was gone. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the weird thing that happened at the end of the game was that um, neither team actually really was playing that well. Like, the, it was a really good game until maybe the last 20, 15 minutes, and I think both teams were just kind of like, ah! Um, and so Portland was pushing, and, and they had odd moments. <laughs> there was a moment where I think a cross was sent in. Both Lindsey Horan and Christine Sinclair go for the dummy, and the ball goes out for, like, a goal kick. Um yeah, uh, Midge Purse. Yeah, Midge Purse had that moment where she shot it right to Nayer. If she had placed that yep. any differently, um, that actually that was very funny too because that came off of and it, like this is what I'm talking oh about. This God, came off Morgan of Bryan. this came off of Nayer throwing <laughs> yeah. the ball into the back of Morgan Bryan's foot. Like it was like oops. Like everyone was just like, "What's happening?" Um, yeah. And good news, Chicago was the team that was winning at that point. Um, yeah, which is why and we can maybe take this so like they were Chicago was doing a bad job at that moment of possessing the game out they were making clearances that they had more time on they were kicking things out of bounds when they didn't necessarily need to um, and then the game plan definitely shifted at like the 80th minute um, where they were like okay time for Morgan Bryan and Yuki Nagasato to finish this. And so those two together. Yep. Really closed it out. They calmed it down. Right. Because they, the, Chicago was not there. You know, they were not doing a great job of that. And so those two, and it was incredible because hey, you're watching the end of the game and you're thinking to yourself, it doesn't look like Portland is trying to get, get this. Like they're not trying to, you know, get get numbers forward but that wasn't the case it was just that Nagasato and Brian were doing such a good job of containing the ball that Portland couldn't even get a foot on it yeah it was uh it was almost as thrilling as if uh they could have got a second goal which in they all of this yeah. and yeah which in all of this massive possession between Morgan Bryan and Yuki Nagasato, it almost happened. While Yuki Nagasato was forcing everybody to come to her and chase her, she ended up getting around, I think, I believe it was Reynolds, and getting space and nearly, nearly got an additional assist as this ball she sent through just floated through and just really threaded the needle straight to Sam Kerr. Who lined it up, but Ad French found herself in just the right position to be able to get like probably a finger or two on it and redirect this ball. Um, yeah, out. kudos, kudos to French because that was about the same shot that she got scored on at the beginning of the game. So she she adjusted and got her little she she said her piece there at the end. Yeah, it's like it wasn't on me. I did my job today. Yep. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a moment that uh, really kind of could have iced it, so to speak. But it ended up turning out that it was Morgan Bryan and Yuki Nagasato who were just basically like, "I love ice. We're gonna do this right now." Um, they kept the ball in the corner. Um, there was eventually Vanessa Di Bernardo got involved, 
uh, it was a foul that was called and a short free kick was played at the end. And then some brief possession happened again by one Miss Yugi Nagasato. And while the ball went in for a dangerous throw in there and then the final throw for Portland, as they threw it in, the final whistle blew. And the Chicago Red Stars got to celebrate their long-awaited semifinal victory on this day. And it was just a massive, massive moment. And uh, it was quite a thrill to witness and see that happening for this team in particular, um, a team that I think you and I have felt, um, you know, in covering them this year have have been a pretty pretty special team to cover. Um, we've talked a lot about that and, and their ups and downs throughout the season and really wanting to find those moments for this particular roster, this particular group of players, for them to leave their mark on. And this was a hell of a moment for, for Red Star's history, especially. And I'm glad it was this team that made it happen. Yeah, I mean, it's... um, It, it was... The game itself um, ended up, you know, being so significant in a certain number of ways. Obviously, it was the first Chicago semifinal win. It was the first time they beat Portland since 2013. It meant that they had won six games in a row, which is the longest winning streak in Chicago Red Stars history. It was the first time they'd scored in a semifinal since 2016. Um, It just this was kind of the thing where it was like you didn't want to get too ahead of yourself because none of those things would be true if they hadn't won. But then once they did, you were just like, Oh my God, this is the best Chicago red stars team that's ever existed. <laughs> there will never be another. Like, yeah, it was, it was, no, 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 it was definitely like the whole, you know, it's 2am and you got to tell everyone you love them vibes. Like right. that's seriously like what, like what it what it kind of was coming down to, like just sort of seeing um, everything unfold out there, and um, it was really great to, you know, to see all of the players be able to just sort of enjoy this moment together. Um, I really loved. I thought it was a really dope moment to see. You had Sam Kerr, right? Um, this star player, this player who's got so much stuff around her right now, and um, the one who knew was going to have all eyes on her. Yeah, she got the goal, but it was so dope to sort of see this player, this superstar at the final whistle, run directly to her bench. Yeah. Into the arms of like Emily Boyd and Maria Sanchez, you know? Like it was like, what? You know? But it's like, it's, I thought it was very um, sort of symbolic of just Sam Kerr and like who she is as a person. And like, you know, you had Nikki Stanting just making a beeline for Alyssa Nair. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it was so great to sort of see all of these separate moments before they all finally came together. You know what I mean? It was really, it was really dope to see, and obviously very cool um, for them to celebrate um, in the Harlem and there with uh, supporters group Local One Three Four, and just sort of uh, kind of see them, thank them for the environment that they brought, um, and just really, just really dope to see all around. And I know on the replay, um, we don't. At the time, you know, we don't really have access because we're covering the game. But, like, being able to witness some of this stuff on, on the replay and sort of um, be able to to hear the call on this game, which we spoke about this in prepping the episode, but I'm going to do it here on the episode as well. But shout out to, like, Jen Hildreth and Ellie Wagner. I'm so happy that they got this game 
um, on ESPN2 um, and that they weren't calling the NC game and versus Rain, that they were calling, that they were in Chicago calling the Red Stars game and Portland Thorns. I thought that they definitely provided a soundtrack for this match that will also go down in some of these history books. It was listening to that yeah. call on the goal from Jen Hildreth was so good, man. It was so, so good. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, the thing I kept going back to was, um, you know, all of the photos uh, from post-game were incredible. Um, the video, the all-access video that Chicago put out um, today on Tuesday was incredible. Um yeah, the broadcast, what they got on the broadcast for the postgame, the way they lingered on the celebrations. Um, and it was just, it's crazy. You feel kind of nuts um, as a supporter of this, as someone who's followed this team for so long because, you know, they've they've been playing this game. This team has been playing this game for so many years. And all of those things, all of that visual capturing of that moment was brand new. We've never seen Danny Colaprico celebrating a semifinal win. We've never seen Chicago not end the season on a loss. I was thinking about that today. Like, even teams that don't make the playoffs sometimes get to end their season with wins. Chicago hasn't had that in years. And and obviously we don't know what's going to happen on Sunday, but just it was the, the, the moments captured um, – had never been seen before in that place uh, for that team. And in a way, I was just like, you know, it hurt, like, getting here. But I'm so happy that not only was it this team that is playing soccer so well, but just, you know, it was the year with the kits and the year with the attendance records and the year – that everything kind of broke through was also the year that Chicago got to have its soccer moment. And um, it just turned that into something just incredibly special. If they had done that in front of 3,200 people in 2015, it would have been amazing, but it wouldn't have been like Sunday. The impact was completely different. Right. I agree with you 100%. Um, yeah. Just dope to, to witness um, dope to be a part of it in our small way, just as, you know, media and covering it, um, getting the content for you all on this podcast. And, um, you know, being able to do this now with you, Claire, is incredibly dope. And uh, taking yeah, a page. Special. Yeah, it is. You know, I love you, bruh. And uh, I wouldn't want to be, like, doing this with anyone else and, like, talking about it for for you all out there who are listening to it right now. And um, I do also want to take a moment before we, you know, kind of put this, uh, the good feelings to a close here and jump into this preview. But, um, you know, it really was a very um, dope weekend. Uh, we did our best to, you know, make sure we were very present um, to cover this team and provide content for... Um, so many Chicago Red Stars supporters out there. And um, part of us was, you know, getting out there the night before, you know, uh, linking up at, at that hotel that's out in SeatGeek, uh, making sure we had the presence of mind, right, to sort of uh, get in there and, and do this with everybody and for everybody. So I just – I really want to shout out um, anybody who took the time to, like, stop us or, yeah. like, intro introduce themselves to us. Absolutely. And let us know that you listen to this podcast – 
um, it absolutely meant the world. Um, it didn't matter who you were or where you came from, because um, there were people out of state doing this. And so uh, it just meant a lot. It's uh, both very dope and weird and also very sweet that you just heard our voices talking to each other and you would stop us and say, hey. I mean, right. I mean, it's uh, it's it's kind of like what I was saying about supporters culture. Um, great to have numbers, but it doesn't matter if they're not good people. And uh, it was clear. It's been clear for weeks that the Chicago soccer, the, the you know, the Red Stars community um, is full of, of such generous souls and that um i'm just i'm so glad i'm just so glad that everybody got that the day that they deserved because everyone's been amazing it was the big day and it came through indeed um so yeah shout out to everybody um you made it uh, a really dope weekend for us as well um it's not just the players who get up for game day it's not just um the fans and the supporters you know it's it's those of us too you know who who make this content um, we were very excited to be able to uh be on this side of things so um the players themselves the coaches themselves um definitely had the same messaging coming out of that uh, mix on as we sort of mentioned to everyone um enjoying the moment taking a second to celebrate and letting it settle in and then turning the page because the work is absolutely not done um it feels good to finally get that moment and to break through and know that this team is capable of winning a semifinal. And now they get a chance to play for each other one more time. And this time they get to do it for a championship. And they have to go to Cary, North Carolina and face North Carolina Courage, the reigning NWSL champions. And uh, a formidable foe um, of theirs that they've uh, had the opportunity to play against before in prior postseasons and so for this particular matchup it's gonna feel pretty different for the red stars compared to their semifinal don't you think Claire yeah I mean it's gonna be a completely different game um I can't I don't I don't think I do not think for one second Chicago is gonna approach this game like they approach the Portland game um it's just gonna be different uh it's gonna have to be Better is the wrong word. It's just going to have to be different. Um, and I think that they know that. And I think um, they absolutely have the ability to take it to North Carolina. Um, obviously, they've had success against them this year prior. Um, they only played a full-strength North Carolina once. That was the home opener. Um, the great, you know, it was a wonderful, wonderful win against in front of, you know, the 17,000. But as I distinctly recall, Crystal Dunn didn't come in until I think like 20 minutes left of that game. So um, it's going to be a different North Carolina squad. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I like it though. I like the matchup. I think it should be a kind of a crazy game. Um, yeah. You know, like for example, North Carolina has not scored multiple goals on the red stars yet this year. Um Correct. That's so a big number. That, a big is, stat. that is a big, big stat. stat. Yeah. Um, which obviously they're going to try <laughs> um, and they're going to feel very much like they want to correct that. But um, yeah, I don't know. Chicago's always played North Carolina. Well, that's been true forever. Um, I guess I just anything but a game like the 2017 semifinal. Give me give me something as good as last year's semifinal. Um, 
and, and I'll be happy. And it's going to take that. It's going to take that performance from, from Chicago to give themselves a shot. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think there's some, some people out there who think that this, this matchup might not be so great. I, I beg to differ. I think these are two teams that match up very well against each other. Um, you're talking about two teams that have, you know, good defenders on their back lines. They've got good midf- midfielders who can dictate the tempo of a game, change a game at the drop of a dime. And they've got uh, people on their top lines who can really go at you. And um, I think it's going to really provide quite the scene for a championship final. And the fact that it's going to be in North Carolina, you know, home of the courage and they're the reigning champs. There's all these other things that are going to come into play as far as, you know, being on the road. Yes, you're going to be playing a game on the road, but this isn't the concept of a neutral site anymore, which I think in the past, you know, people were used to seeing when it came to the NWSL championship. And North Carolina Courage are just so darn good that, uh, you know, even though you announced a predetermined um, finals site, they can go ahead and run the table and find themselves playing for that championship in their hometown. And so it's going to, it's going to be a much different vibe for real. I think for the red stars um, compared to their semifinal where they were looking for the noise to, to help them move, they're going to probably have to try to block out some of it this time. Um, And I think it might be a little bit, might be a little bit different. So um, I think crystal Dunn for me for just talking about North Carolina courage specifically is going to be a huge player to watch. Um, I think it's very easy to sit here and, you know, we could look at players like uh, Davinia, who you and I both love (laughs) very much. Yeah, she's been Uh, lights out this season. Yeah, or or Denise Sullivan. I think it's very easy to talk about those two players. But there's something about postseason form Crystal Dunn who just refuses to have any type of mediocre performance okay postseason however is there anyone you would rather have playing against her than julie Ertz? exactly so i don't know if people out there have sort of seen some tidbits in terms of a coach's championship conference call that took place earlier in this day on tuesday the day that we are recording not wednesday the day that you're likely listening to it but um yeah Roy Dames might have dropped some tidbits in terms of his mindset of what he's looking for uh, to come out of his team. Right. He's not trying to show his full hand, but Julia Ertz back in the midfield is definitely not off the table, folks. Yeah, I mean, I think it's smart. I think it's smart to – it's definitely smart, A, to signal to North Carolina that they have to be prepared for either scenario. Um, And then – I mean, I understand – I understand the logic of it – Part of the reason Chicago's had so much success against North Carolina this season was because they had Julie Ertz in their midfield. Um, and if, um, and if Rory is feeling a little bit more confident in what Katie Naughton is bringing to the table, certainly after she was so helpful this past weekend, um, they theoretically could go, you know, short Naughton, Davidson, Gordon, um, with Ertz in, in the midfield, uh, I don't I I was gonna be honest I I don't know what I would do um 
I don't know how you break up this back line, but I also understand the thought process of with that box midfield, who more would you want up there than Julie Ertz, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the form in which Danny Colabrigo and, and Morgan Bryan are both um, playing in right now helps in the idea of right. the the idea, the concept of a Colabrigo, Bryan, Ertz type midfield sounds and could look very promising. But again, we don't know. Really don't know what we're going to see on on Sunday. The other thing to that, too, is is if you think about it, do you want Katie Naughton coming off the bench or do you want Vanessa DiBernardo coming off the bench? Like, you know, like if you're looking, that's what I was saying, like that impact midfielder attacking player that Chicago didn't quite have because of their formation on this past Sunday – Maybe you start Katie Naughton, you've got that in the back, and then you can bring a playmaker off the bench. It's a scary idea. I like what Chicago's been doing. It's been working. But I again, yeah. I understand why you might play around with the idea. Yeah. I we can't I don't think uh it's safe for us to do like a prediction for starting eleven <laughs> on this no podcast. Yeah. Also also it's just not something we do here. We're no. not into that. What we do here, in case uh this is your first time listening, welcome. Uh what we do here is we just uh give you players uh, to watch and players that we would both like to uh have an impact in this match. And for this match in particular Oh boy, it is a big, big match. So, Claire, who are you looking to have an impact for the Red Stars on this day? Oh. Um. I think, I mean, all of them, but. Uh, They're all good Red Stars. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I think. Danny Colaprico is going to have to give this one just absolutely everything she's got. And I think she can. Um, but she's going to be having to do just some selfless stuff in there to keep that midfield churning. Um, yeah, dude, I'm actually going to echo that and say ditto and agree. I think that Danny Colaprico be like a Denise O'Sullivan is going to be huge yeah. this game. Yeah, it's going to be very big. I can see somebody like a Morgan Bryan taking like a Dabinia to task, um, but I think Denise O'Sullivan trying to take on somebody like Danica Lofrico is is we're going to need to see her get on the better side of those duels, you know. Right. I mean, Chicago's just going to have to be really strong in transition because I do think with North Carolina to a certain extent. You know, defense is a very good defense, but offense is also a good defense. And and I think that if North Carolina is vulnerable anywhere, it's obviously the fact that they have Heather O'Reilly starting as their right back. And then also just their center back pairing hasn't been as strong this season um, for club. Um, They make mistakes sometimes. And uh, they made one in the last semifinal. But um, I I think also when I say they need to be strong in transition is ball winning they have to win the ball in the midfield and they have to keep it um you know North Carolina can only give you as many waves of pressure as you allow them to have by giving them the ball and I think oh yeah that's going to be huge because if Chicago 
isn't able to control what they're trying to do, they're going to give North Carolina too many opportunities. This game is absolutely going to come down to the midfield. There yeah. is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's why you're hearing what you're hearing um, leading into this, uh, leading into this uh, championship final. So it's going to be a good one. Uh, I think now's a good time to let everybody know out there that Southside Chat Podcast will be out in North Carolina. We are headed to NC, and we will be participating in all kinds of good stuff happening surrounding this uh, championship final weekend. So we're looking forward to covering the Red Stars out there in North Carolina and hopefully getting some good stuff for you guys um, out of media days and getting you know into the mindsets of you know what's going on in, in the preparations for uh for the championship uh final the uh the other big day i guess right yeah <laughs> the one is uh, finally here the five the five-year plan guys that's uh that's what's going on yeah, right here exactly it only it, exactly they they executed the five-year plan to perfection yeah i think the vibes are still good they're just uh, they're just more uh, in perspective right Man, now. Yeah, I would just think the pressure's off a little bit, you know. Just go in there and fuck shit up. Yeah, have a ball, have a ball, ball out and have a ball. It's gonna be a good time. It's we're we're big fans of good time. Working uh, working the good people find you in your work, Claire. Um. Yes. Uh, wrote a recap about the last game for Hot Time in Old Town. Read it. I will also. Assumely, I will be writing a recap for this game. Um, Read that. Uh, I'm going to have... I have had work um, about the Red Stars on the Equalizer. I There's probably going to be one more piece from me um, there this week before championship game day. Um, and then, yeah, if uh, you don't already... You can follow me on Twitter at, at Scout Ripley. Um, I think that's I think that's everything, and you know we'll we'll be getting our stuff. So we'll just listen that. to the podcast. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't know. We just love this podcast. Yeah. It's the Stars podcast. Um, if you want to follow me and my shenanigans, you can do that on Twitter at Senderera underscore. That's H E R R E R A underscore. Um, yeah, shout out to, to Equalizer, shout out to Hot Time in Old Town. That's where you can find a lot of great uh, Red Stars content, whether it's from Claire or myself. And uh, I'm going to plug a piece um, that I'm going to have coming out actually on All for Eleven about Yuki Nagasato. Um, she is quite the person and player for this team. And we talked a little bit about that. And you should check that piece out because she had a phenomenal performance oh, uh, hey. on one final Hi. thing i want to say about yuki nagasato is yeah. did she have an amazing assist absolutely uh did she ball out at the end of the game yeah you know what else she did she answered a question in english on national television that was amazing on the broadcast that was yuki so cool Nag <laughs> yuki nagasato is uh the coolest red star yeah no doubt. Oh, she's also she's also a mop finalist. So if you have not yet cast your mop votes, I will say this: we did have someone vote for Yuki five times in a row for the mop finalists. And guys, that doesn't count. You have to rank them. You got to so be fair, guys. You have Come to on. be fair. 
Um, so and we know we know it's a you know a vote for the most online player, but we still take it very seriously. Absolutely. So also vote vote for that um, hashtag um, NWSL mop. Uh, Get it trending. Yeah. Make sure Yuki Nagasato wins, guys. You got it. Only wins if you vote. And you got to vote the right way. You got to vote. So look out for that piece. It's coming out. Uh, if you're hearing this on on Wednesday, it's, it's probably out already. Um, and if you're listening to it later for that, it's probably out <laughs> already. Um, yeah. So check that out. It's a uh, it's good stuff. Uh, she talks about uh, you know being in Chicago and um, you know her band and stuff. So it's a lot of lot of cool stuff. But uh, keep it locked in here. Um, if you don't do anything else, you just keep it locked in here. If you don't like reading, if you're not into uh, voting for awards, that's not your bag. That's cool. Make sure you just continue your support of the Southside Trap podcast. The podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. And you can do that by following us on all social media channels. You can do that on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. And you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes. Uh, so go ahead and find us. Uh, like us, subscribe to us, uh, leave us a rating, a review. That stuff helps us out tremendously when we're trying to produce uh, Chicago Red Stars content for you guys. And we will see you all, some of you all, maybe in uh, North Carolina to cover the Red Stars championship final debut. And hopefully we'll be back next week uh, to discuss a championship victory.